The Shep Nas Podcast begins now. You're listening to the Shep Nest Podcast, a podcast at Shepherd Church. Everything we do here is to connect our community in a meaningful relationship with Christ. We're expecting great things. My name is Joey. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Pastor Rob Paul, the lead pastor here at Shepherd. We're going to dive into our series on the book of Ephesians, and we're not going to waste any time, so let's just get right to it. To Rob, glad that we are together today. Can't think of any place else I'd rather be right now than here. I feel like that might be embellished no a little it's bit true because i have a list of places i'm just kidding <laughs> well, okay. I'm not saying it's the only place i want to ever be okay. but like i'm glad to be here right now all right good well hey uh we are talking about ephesians um we are in the midst of a series it's, it's been really really good it's I, i've been enjoying it uh we're recording this on a monday so we just had um, a Sunday service yesterday. Um, great message, great worship, things, God doing big things um, at Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to kind of break down what we just heard. And if you haven't heard that yet, you need to go back and you need to watch or listen to it on our website, shepnaz.org, um, and don't miss it. But we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a recap, and then you get the full taste of it if you go back and watch it. So um, we're, It's also a really good punishment for your children if they're not behaving. Make them listen to it. That's hey, like good. That's not punishment. punishment don't, <laughs> church is not punishment. Oh, that's true. Church I, is not yeah, punishment. Yeah, I take that back. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, so... Um, we are kind of moving into a new section of... We're still in the first chapter. Right. We're four weeks into this now. This is five, yeah. yeah. Fifth message in um, chapter one. And so we are still in the first, but we're kind of moving to the next kind of section. Yeah. Um, and in this section, uh, he talks about... He's, he's This is a letter to the Ephesian church. He's talking about the church, like asking him to be balanced. Let's talk about what that means, to be balanced in... in yeah, uh, as a church. Yeah, so he actually commends the church for being balanced, and he says uh, in verse fifteen, he says, uh, "Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints." And really, there's two things he's talking about. One, he's talking about um, emphasizing our faith um, or our doctrine and what we believe, and our desire to push into a relationship with Christ, and our love for people. And it's interesting that both of those things are really important in a church and for us to develop those, mm-hmm. both of those things in our relationship with God. Because what happens is if we focus on one at the expense of the other, it creates an imbalance. And oftentimes what happens is sometimes we might emphasize only our faith or um, doctrine and exclude love for people. And when we emphasize our faith, our doctrine, and exclude our love for people, yeah. it can lead to legalism. And legalism is when we're just really we're just really taken by the importance of keeping all the rules. Mm-hmm. But the problem with legalism is not that we usually get focused on us keeping the rules. It's it's that we get focused on other people keeping the yeah. rules. So we become judgmental. We look at other people and we say they're not doing it right. They're not doing they're yeah. not living the way they should. And it becomes legalistic, mm-hmm. and then they perceive us as Christians or the church as being judgmental, when yep. it's not really our job to be judgmental. Well, it's not our job, period, to be judgmental. Yep. It's not our job to judge. Well, that's um, a, I mean, this that happens. We, we see that evident in Jesus' ministry. Um, he often speaks to the Pharisees, Sadducees, about their yeah. legalistic attitude toward yeah. other people, and that they um, it wasn't that the law was wrong— it was that they were out of balance. Right, yeah. right. And that's what I think Paul is saying. You're, yeah. You've got this thing in balance. 
So then the other side is, though, like if we just focus on the law and doctrine, we become judgmental and legalistic. But mm-hmm. if we just focus on loving people at the expense of believing the right things, we can it can lead us to compromising our faith. And so we want people to be a part of the church. We want them to be a, they, we want them to be included in what God is doing. And so when they when they come with questions about what's right and what's wrong, um, if we're not willing to to share with them the truth and love, we compromise our faith and we say, oh yeah, that's okay, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. When scripture doesn't say that's okay not to worry about it. And the problem with that is twofold. One is that we, we're, we're helping them to um, think that something is okay when it's really not okay. Yep. And then they base their life or their decisions on something that someone in the church said was okay because they said it was okay. And then the problem is that those folks end up missing God's best. Mm-hmm. They can miss God's best for their life. So, I mean, it's, you know, this happens with social issues, but it, it isn't just about social issues. Mm-hmm. It is about anything that stands in contradiction to God's word that we might say, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it's not our job to judge, but as the church, if it's also our responsibility to deliver the scriptures, the gospel in its entirety. And if we're not willing to share the hard things, people, people miss the hard things sometimes. And they comp they they settle they settle for a second best yeah. or less than God's best, mm-hmm. and and that's that's just that's not uh, good for the church. It's not something that we should be doing. Um, and so anyway, Paul was saying to the Ephesian church, they've done a good job balancing that. They they have a, done a good job with their doctrine and believing and mm-hmm. pressing into their relationship with God, but also in telling the truth to other people. And they lived in a culture similar to ours, that it was a challenge to be honest about things because there were a lot of things going on in the Ephesian culture that were that would have stood in opposition to God's word, mm-hmm. but and they didn't candy coat it and say, it's okay, don't worry about it. They said, no, this is, this is God's standard for us in this area. And um, it allowed people to make a choice then at least. And they, and, and they did make a choice and people today make a choice, but at least they're making an informed choice and it's not a watered-down choice, and it's not compromising the Word of God and what God would want for them. Good. Well, I, we gonna, if we keep going, um, just in those next few verses, Paul uh, prays a prayer for the Ephesian church. And um, yesterday you had said that if God were to answer that prayer for us, that it would change our lives. Could you talk about that prayer? Oh, no doubt. If God, if God answered this prayer that Paul prayed, and we should pray this prayer ourselves. Mm-hmm. This should um, be on the list of yeah, what we it, pray. It, mm-hmm. And there's nothing more powerful in our prayer life than when we're praying scripture. So this is a, this is a prayer that's in scripture. We can and should pray this. And if God were to answer this prayer for us, it would revolutionize every single one of our Christians' life. The first thing Paul says, there's three things in the prayer. First thing he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And so the ultimate end of that prayer is that we would know him better. And what's interesting is that Paul is not saying he wants us to know about Jesus or about God more. He wants us to know him by experience. And the way that we know that is because, as I've said many times, the Greek language is really illustrious and it talks about different words for Mm -hmm. knowledge. And And the word here that Paul uses is is uh, epigenosis, and it's it's to know by experience. And so Paul is saying, I don't want you to know more things about God, even though that's important. He says, I want you to know these things by experience. 
Um, and I think that the problem with many Christians is that they know about God or they know about Jesus, but they've not experienced him. Um, and it, it's like the difference between me saying, well, I, I know about George Washington. I've read about him. I could tell you stories about him. I never met him and I've never had an experience with him. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know him, but I know him, you know, and that's how a lot of people live their Christian life. They know about God. They've heard stories. They maybe even memorized Bible verses. Yeah. They heard what he's done for other people, but they've never experienced him doing that for them mm-hmm. uh, because they, they don't, they don't know him. They know him, but they don't know him. They gnosis him, but they don't epigenosis him, I guess is what Paul would be saying. And so, so he wants us to be able to, to, to know him by experience. So the other thing that Paul says is, um, he says, I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, and um, revelation. And, and so again, this spirit of wisdom that he's praying about is not, when he says spirit, he's not talking about them receiving the Holy Spirit because they already, he's talking to the believers in Ephesus and they already have, they have salvation, they have a relationship with Jesus, so mm-hmm. they have the Holy Spirit. And everyone who has, um, everyone who has um receive Christ has the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about is that that the Holy Spirit would do something special for them mm-hmm. to open their eyes of truth to truths that they don't yet understand or know that already exist. And then he says, so I want you to have the spirit of wisdom. Uh, and again, wisdom isn't just knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge coupled with application. Yeah. So it's both of those things. So you can't just, you can't just know um, things. You have to know them and then make the application. So he's saying, I'm praying that the Spirit will show you things that you didn't know that you need to know and that you will make the application so that you can experience experience Mm -hmm. Him. So when we talk about these kind of special manifestations of the Holy Spirit um, or the truths that we don't know yet, are are we to, to assume then that there are uh, things that the Lord reveals to just a few people or um, that some people learn that um, they're like special and God only shows them things that nobody else knows. Like, can we talk about talk about that? Because it kind of seems like an exclusive kind of club. Mm-hmm. Some people get to be part of and not everybody. Yeah. But what we've talked about before is that the Spirit, Holy Spirit's accessible to all all believers. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a great question. The um, there was a religion back then that was called Gnosticism, and it had about to do with knowledge. And they were a group of people who thought that they had special revelation from God that nobody else knew, and that everybody should listen to them. And and that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about new things or mm-hmm. things that are secret. Um, what he's talking about, the word revelation actually means uh, apocalypsis, um, or where we get our word apocalypse, and it means knowledge that was previously hidden. To man mm-hmm. by a divine uh, that's been revealed by a divine supernatural agency, and so mm-hmm. it's basically God. Paul is saying is like there's stuff that we should know that we have just for whatever reason not gotten or understood, and he's saying I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would make that uh, aware, make you aware of those things. A good example of that is, and I shared this on Sunday, was that there was two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus mm-hmm. after. Uh, the the resurrection had happened and Jesus had a new body and they didn't recognize him, um, not because he didn't look anything. They just were not able to recognize him. The Holy Spirit made them not able to recognize him. And they were walking and talking about all the things that had been happening. And Jesus came up. They didn't know it was Jesus and said, what what are you guys talking about? And they're like, where have you you been living under a rock? Like we're talking about Jesus, this guy who came and did Mm -hmm. all these wonderful things. And then he was crucified and and it's just a terrible thing and all that. And Jesus goes, well, tell me all about him. And so they said a few things. And then 
Then they continued on the road and the Bible says Jesus talked to them and explained them everything. And they got to the end of where they were going and they were making a left or whatever and Jesus was going straight and they begged him to keep stay with them. And so he spent some more time with them and they, he shared a meal together. And the Bible says that when Jesus broke bread like he did the night of the um, Last Supper and he broke the bread, their eyes were open and they saw him. And they're, and they're like, oh, all of a sudden everything that Jesus had just said made so much sense to them. And what was interesting is that Jesus was there all along. It was, they just didn't recognize him, mm-hmm. right? And so what Paul is saying is that there's things that are there that we're just missing. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will make those things aware to you, uh, aware to you so that they can help you grow in your walk and your relationship with Jesus. And and then the two, the disciples even said when they their eyes were open and they, they had the apocalypse, right? They were made aware that it was Jesus. They even said, our hearts were burning inside us when he was talking to us. Like it all made so much sense. Yeah. And so then, um, so then this is what Paul is praying for, that we would recognize these truths that already exist, um, not, not secrets or new truths, mm-hmm. but we would recognize these things that are right in front of us and that God would open our eyes and help us to see them in such a way that it changes or shapes our understanding of God mm-hmm. and who, what he has done for us and then who we are in Christ, like our, our identity in Christ. And that, that's what Paul is praying for, which is an amazing prayer, that we would know him that way, that would, that could, that would revolutionize our lives if we could see him the way he, he really intends for us to see him. Well, there's some more that we're going to get into, but let's take a quick break and just kind of regroup, hear about a couple of things that are coming up at Shepherd, and then we're going to dive back into um, the prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesian church. So stick around. Maybe you've been hanging around Shepherd Church community for a while, or even just a short bit, but have you become a member yet? Join us on Wednesday evening, March 8th at 6.30 p.m. to find out about church membership. In this class, you will learn all about our church, what we believe, and what church membership means. If you're ready to take this step, email podcast at shepnaz.org and let us know that you'd like to sign up or check the box on the connection card. We want to get to know you. Each month, we've got an opportunity. If you're new around here, you're invited to Pizza with the Pastors at Massey's Pizza in Gahanna. The next one happens Monday, March 20th. You can RSVP by emailing Pastor Rob at rpaul at shepnass.org. We're looking forward to seeing you and your family there. All right, so thanks for sticking around. We're back, and we're talking about the prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians and how it applies to us. Um, we've already talked about the first one was that um, the, the the truths that we would know God um, with knowledge that's experiential knowledge, and that we would also know the things like that we'd have wisdom from the Spirit uh, to know the things that are kind of plain in front of us that would kind of change everything. Um, let's talk about the second part of that prayer. Um, would you kind of dive into that? Yeah, so in verse 18, Paul says, um, I pray also, so the second part of the prayer, is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may also know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so um, I talked a little bit about what we're called to uh, in the message on Sunday, but something that I didn't share on Sunday was um, if you, this word call. And so if you look up the word called, um, in the Greek, it's got a really interesting inter- interesting meaning that I think can really shed some light on things. And so to be called is to have an authoritative summons, whether it's spoken or written, to be present or to take part in something, 
especially in this particular scene, uh, this particular way, by a summons to the hope of salvation in Jesus. So when Paul says, I, I pray that you, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you will know the hope to which you has called you, the hope is, is, is three things. That One, the hope is that we will become like Jesus. But here's what it means. The fact that we are called means that we have an authoritative summons by God to be present or to take part in something, and that something that he wants us to take part in is becoming like Jesus. And Paul talked about that in Romans 28, 29, Romans 8, verse 29. He says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, mm-hmm. not long he knew who would, should become like his son. So like we have a, an authoritative summons from God to become like Jesus. Like that's, that's powerful to think yeah. that, and it's an authoritative summons. It's like if the president calls you, like all the authority that exists in his office, you, you, you sort of need to respond when the president mm-hmm. calls you. Or a king, when the king summons you, you're, you should respond, you should, right? Yeah. yeah. But what this is saying is, Paul is saying, like, God has summoned you. He chose you. He saved you. Then he summoned you to participate, to be present and to take part in something. And that something was to become like Jesus. Like, that's God's will for our life, that we would become like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on and he says that it's also God's will, not only that we would become like Jesus, but that we would see Jesus one day, like literally face to face. We'll be in heaven. We'll be standing before him. We'll see him. When we see him, we'll be like him with the changed body and all that kind of stuff. And we'll be able to serve him in ways we couldn't even serve mm-hmm. him now. And then he says uh, in verse 20, um, in verse 18, he says that your, your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, mm-hmm. right? And so the inheritance is what we're talking about is that, um, that the Holy Spirit is a down, posit, down, down payment or a deposit right. <laughs> of, our, of our inheritance. And the inheritance is something that we, we can't even grasp or understand. Yeah. All right. Um, Peter talks about it. He says, we've been born into a new life, which has an inheritance that can't be destroyed or corrupted and can't fade away. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you since you are guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. So like what we have and are experiencing as as Christians, as believers now is only a portion of the full payment that is to come regarding our inheritance. And so it blows me away, like, to think about what is that inheritance? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible maybe talks about it in other places, but but if the Holy Spirit is just a down positive, down, I keep saying down Sorry, positive. Sorry, man. We're just making down payment or a deposit. I'm, mixing t- I'm making a new word Worst out of two. It's fine. Um, it's just, Paul it's, would be proud. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mind-blowing just to think about that. Like, what more could there be? What greater gift could God give his people mm-hmm. than to literally dwell within them and guide and direct them? There's something coming. You know, and theologians talk about that, and they're like, you know, one guy says, like, this, is, this truth is too magnificent for words to describe. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have them. I can't, I can't come up with that. So, so he prays that we would recognize that we have an authoritative summons um, to be present or take part in becoming like Jesus, seeing Jesus and this inheritance that, that he's put away for us that, that will be revealed at the end. It's not even fully revealed now. We're just experiencing a part of it. Crazy. And if you were at, if you were at church on Sunday, to, to understand that what we felt <clears throat> and the, um, the presence of God that was there, for that just to be a part. Oh, just, to think yeah. about the fullness of that, you know, what has been put on deposit for us yeah. is, um, it really is, you, 
we can't really do it justice by just describing it with our words. No. Um, well, I don't even, like, not only are there words to not describe it, but I don't even know what we would be describing. Right. Like, what, what is it? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's heaven. We know that. But it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> right. how do you describe it? I mean, you know, there's, you know, streets of gold and gates that are just made of one giant pearl. But that's like, well, that's cool. But that's not it. All of it. No. And even then, that's, once again, that's human language trying to describe what was being shown. Yeah. And that's, again, it's like, is, that's probably not even the picture either. No. That was just, we were yeah. just trying to, like, this is what it kind of looks like, but we can't even describe it. It's that great. But yeah. we're going to try to use, describe it in human, yeah. human language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like there's this term called anthropomorphism, and it's our trying to understand God making up words by again. making him like a person. So we just say God is like a father. Right. He's way better than a father. Right. But like I've heard, you know, like there will, we'll see things in heaven we've never seen before. There'll be colors in heaven that we've never heard. I'll be able to sing on key in heaven. That's that's miraculous in I was and of say, itself. We're going to talk but, about the fullness we'll be a part, of the down payment that the right. Holy Spirit has made. We'll be a part of a choir that's thousands upon thousands and yeah. 10,000 times 10,000. And I did the math on that one time, and it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, to be, a part, lot. Of, to be a part of a choir that big that's singing the same thing and to one God, I mean, it's just going to be enrapturing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's just the second part of the prayer. Yeah. All right, well, that's part three. Let's go. Oh, nice segue. All right, so <laughs> the third part is that, that we would know the power that's available to us. So Paul goes on, he says, I also pray that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then he says that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So, so Paul goes on this, um, this um, rant, or maybe it's not rant, it's not the right word, um, this Maybe. trying to communicate. And he's like, I got a point I want to make. And he uses these power words, like mm-hmm. four of them. I just want to talk about one of them just for time's sake. And the first word is the word that he uses is dunamis, the word power. He says, we want to know the power that raised, raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And the word, Greek word is dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite or dynamo. Okay. Um, but it literally means it's the possession of controlling influence often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. So two things about that. One, it is only available to those who believe, and every believer has access to it. Second thing is that it is it is the sum total of power. Like, there's not more. Like, if you have the dunamis of the Holy Spirit in you, there isn't any other power that you can get that's more powerful. Mm-mm. And we often say, well, I need more power from God. You don't, we don't need more power. We need to apply the power that we have. Yeah. Because what we have in the Holy Spirit is more power than we ever, it's like, it's like a million atomic bombs inside us. We could, we, there's, there's no power greater than that. Yeah. Like we can't ask for more. It's like Paul even says it's foolish to ask for more yeah. because there isn't any more. Um, the problem is that we're not connected to it. But we're not allowing it to flow in us Jesus and through said, us. Jesus you, said you'll do greater things than me because which you have is mind blowing, right? Right to think that, yeah, to think that Jesus would say that. I'm like, I almost think like, I'm sure I don't think he said that, right? But but he did say yeah. that, and the fact that he said that is like there must be some power available mm-hmm. to us to be able to. How could we do greater things than him? I mean, he healed people. He cast out demons. Yep. He did miraculous things. He raised people from the dead. He called deaf people back to life. You know. But that power that yep. lived in Jesus also lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And the problem is that we just don't apply it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think the problem in the church is so much is that we've replaced knowledge with the experience and the application of the things that we already know. Like if I go to church, I go to a class or I go to a group or whatever, and I learn something, mm-hmm. then I, 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 I can mistake that as spiritual growth. Spirit, part of our spiritual growth is to learn something. Mm-hmm. The other part is to apply it. Mm-hmm. Because if you have knowledge of something, but you don't apply it, you're, you're just a smart person who's missing the point. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of Christians like that. We're smart about God, but we're missing the point. We're not doing what God's called us to mm-hmm. do, or we're not living with the power that he wants us to live with. And so this power is, uh, again, Paul says it's for all of us who believe. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. Mm-hmm. The problem is we've got to learn how to tap into that and how to use that for his glory and for his kingdom. But the really great news about that is this, is that if that's true, right, that it means that whatever situation we come up against as the people of God, whatever situation, relational, maybe it's health-wise, maybe it's finances, maybe it's some spiritual opposition that we're facing, difficult times, whatever situation, addictions, whatever it is that we come up against, the Bible says we possess controlling influence through the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to have supernatural influence over reality or the present circumstances for God's glory. And I'm like, if we if we really grasp that, we will quit walking around with our head down like we're yeah. defeated and feeling sorry for ourselves and kicking the dirt. And we will start taking control over reality mm-hmm. through the power that we have in the supernatural to change what is in this world for the kingdom of God and for God's glory. And when that begins to happen and other people see that power working in us, mm-hmm. that will draw other people to that. And they'll want to be a part of it as well. And it, and then uh, the cycle continues, the, the evangelistic cycle. Like people see that, they're like, I want that. And then God comes into their life. They come to yeah. know Jesus. They go through the process. Then they have that power and it, it, and, and it explodes. That's yeah. how the church explodes. But the church doesn't explode if no one's using the power. If no one's allowing God's Holy Spirit to work through them, the church just, you know, like, well, we're just, we're just making a buy. The church was never meant to just make a mm-hmm. buy. Why would we just make it by? We have the most powerful thing in the world living inside of us, mm-hmm. or most powerful person, I should say, the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul says this, that's why we say, like, if we got this, if we prayed this prayer and God answered it, mm-hmm. and we knew him by experience, we understood the hope that we were really called to, and we allowed the real power of the Holy Spirit to work through us, it would change us. Mm-hmm. It would change the world. And that's what the church is called to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing stuff. That's chapter one. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about real quick, as, as, where are we going as we talk about the book of Ephesians? What, what's coming next and, and, and kind of where might we be going as a church as we continue this? Yeah, so, well, we're going to chapter two next. Well, That's I, next. But here's yeah. what's really cool about chapter two. I don't want to two. assume anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, so, so in chapter two, Paul talks about our salvation and how we were before Um, we came to know Jesus. But then he says that when we came to know Jesus, God did something with us, is that he seated us with Christ. Um, Verse six, it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so so we're gonna explore what that means. Um, But if you look at a bigger picture, you can look back at this, you can see uh, in chapter one and verse three that we were selected, Mm -hmm. right? 
Then in chapter 7 um, and 8, we can see that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then um, we can see, uh, or we were saved. So we were selected, then we were saved, then we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. And now we've been seated with him. And we're going to explore what that means. And when we understand what that means, then knowing the power that we have through the Holy Spirit. Yep. Oh, man, that's, that's like incredible stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we're going, and right. I'm excited about that. You can even move on, like, further in chapter 3, verses 14. Paul talks about us that we're strengthened. So it's not we're, we're selected, we're saved, we're sealed, um, we're seated with Christ, and then we're strengthened through Christ. Yeah. I mean, like, he didn't leave anything out. Like, it's all right there, and this is just— this is powerful stuff. And again, it's not about filling our head with more knowledge. It's about how do I take this knowledge, apply it to my life, use it so that my life will be different and other people's lives will be mm-hmm. different and the kingdom of God can grow. Yeah. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and it's, um, Mike Breen talks about what it looks like to be a disciple. Is it, it, does, it does at some point begin with information. Right. But if you don't take that and walk around to, to imitation imitating Christ, which Paul talks about, yep. and then to innovation, putting it into practice and and and, and making a new, yeah. you know, bringing God's kingdom to bear around you, yeah. then it's nothing. Yeah, like, that's good. You're not a disciple unless you're doing that. Right. And again, the problem in the church is that we've just made information yeah. the pinnacle of discipleship, mm-hmm. and it isn't. No. The pinnacle of discipleship is walking it out. Yeah. You know, what did you say? Information. Information, imitation, innovation. Innovation. That's good. Yeah. Good. There's something to take home. There we go. All right. Well, I I didn't make that up, so, you know. You did. You're smart. You're a smart guy. All right. You remembered it. Yeah, I did remember it. Um, All right. Well, hey, so we've got lots coming up, and you're not going to want to miss anything from from the book of Ephesians, Uh, so don't miss this coming Sunday as we dive a little bit deeper in. We are in chapter two, and it only took five weeks to get there. Yeah, but hey, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Shep Naz Podcast. Um, please like and subscribe this podcast. We want you to share it with your friends. Uh, we'd love for you to leave us a nice little review and send us your thoughts and your questions to podcast at shepnaz.org. Um, you can find out all that's going on at Shepherd through our website, through our social media pages, and in our app. But for Pastor Rob, I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a production of the Shepherd Church of the Nazarene, Gehenna, Ohio. Email to podcast at shepnaz.org and let us know what you think.